0: This is Craig Hostetler, and I want to welcome you to the Black Sheep Experience. Uh, Deeply appreciate you hanging out with me uh, here on the podcast. I have a really great guest today, so I think it's going to be a really cool time uh, to spend with one another. So I really appreciate you, yeah, man, spending your time here. Thank you so much. Um, And I hope that whatever you are doing, wherever it is that you are, that you are doing that uh, with peace, you know that peace that kind of surpasses all understanding. Um, you know, I think in a season of exploration that there's a real freedom in being able to stand in your own personal convictions. Now, certainly, all of our leadings or leanings at times need correction, uh, and, and I do understand that, and I welcome that. In fact. Um, I have a. I meditate every morning for um, for a span of time, and towards the end of that meditation, I really focus on uh, the Psalm uh, fifty one that says, "Create in me a clean heart, God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast not your presence, uh, cast me not away from your presence, and take not your Holy Spirit from me." Restore to me the joy of your salvation, and uphold me with a willing spirit. And so, I really, I really focus on that, and I really, uh, I, I, I petition that, and then I listen for whatever correction, you know, um, may be needed at that time. And I like to pray that really intentionally and with a passionate mind, because that that truly is what I what I want, the continued regeneration and renewing. You know, of my heart and mind, um, but I digress. I, I, I think that there's a true joy as we awaken to God and our own personal true convictions, as we awaken to ourselves and our own really true identity. As I have explored so many ideas and so many. Um, I guess there's so many that have just resonated with me and others that really weren't for me. But God has been there the whole time leading and guiding me and and really resurrecting me, I think, in a spiritual and a a, a metaphysical way. Um, And I'm excited because the path is ever expansive. Uh, There's plenty more exploration to do. Um, But along this path, one of the things that deeply resonated with me is Christian witchcraft. Uh, I feel deeply at home with that term and the idea of it as it expands and becomes something that's more personal to me uh, or, or personalized to me. I really feel a deep resonance, really, uh, with Christian witchcraft. And to be honest with you, uh, several years ago, I, I felt really pulled in that direction. Even while I was pastoring in an evangelical setting, so many of the practices within um, what I'm going to call, I guess, modern witchcraft, they were things that I was already doing. Uh, If you're familiar with terms like grounding or shielding, or even drawing down the moon, perhaps, um, well, certainly not with the verbiage that's found in so many other forms of witchcraft. um, But the heart was there. And I was really surprised at how much of it uh, how much it deeply resonated with me or, or, or some of the ideas or, or practices that were already a part of, naturally a part of who I was, uh, could be found within the setting of witchcraft. Now, what's important, I think, to remember there is that that um, witchcraft in and of itself is not a religion um it's more of a metaphysical practice. And someday I'd really like to get into that with you because the um, our own existence really mirrors the triune um, existence of God, right? So um, Spirit and uh, then the Holy Spirit, which is the in-between, right? And then uh, the incarnation. But we'll, we'll talk about that someday. But it's always been really for the whole of my life, a very deep part of me. I think it was uh, Alice Hoffman um, who said, there's a little witch in all of us. And and I think that feels really true for me. Perhaps that resonates with you on some level. I know the word's a little bit scary, right? But um, I think the more that you demystify it, and we'll talk about that in the conversation, the more that you demystify it, the more that you can see perhaps that it does really resonate with you. So um, during those early explorations, I came across someone that was interesting to me, a woman by the name of Valerie Love, a a self-professed Christian witch, really before anybody was using that term. Uh, And I loved immediately the bravery to step out and just to say it. Um, what is great is uh, Valerie Love, also known as uh, Kaisi. Um, she's been on the podcast before. She's written a couple of books that I think are really important. But she's got a new one that just came out within the past month or so. Uh, and it's titled, How to Become a Christian Witch. And I think the book is so timely. I think there are so many out there with what I'm going to call like witchy leanings. Um yeah, it, it, witchy, I think, resonances, something deep within them, like myself. Um, and now they can explore this idea while staying connected to the Christian faith, uh, which for so many of us, myself included, that's, that, that's, a man, that's mandatory, right? As Valerie said, um, she had the witch on one side, and the Christian on the other, and neither neither of them were going to leave, right? So she had to learn how they, they could be integrated and then discovered that they integrated with one another very, very well. Now, let me say the book is very good. It's on Amazon, and it's in other bookstores as well. Uh, it's, on, it's available on Kindle. And so I would really encourage you to check it out. I think that it would be meaningful and helpful to so many of you. Now, if you're not familiar with Valerie Love, then hang around and we're going to discuss the book. We're going to discuss magic. We're going to discuss all kinds of stuff. It's a really great conversation. And also you can find out uh, more about her. She's on all the social media stuff for sure. And then of course she has a website, um, ValerieLove.com. So let's jump into the conversation I really hope that you enjoy it. Welcome to the podcast, uh, Kaisi. Hey guys, this is Craig Hostetler, and I want to welcome you to the Black Sheep Experience. I have a uh, returning guest, the Christian witch, um, (laughs) Kaisi, also known as Valerie Love. Welcome to, uh, or back to the podcast. Thanks so much for hanging out with me.
1: Oh, thank you so much, Christ, for
0: having me back. <laughs> well, you know, I enjoy it. You got this new um, exciting book out there, and so we had to, we we got to talk about that, right?
1: Oh my goodness, yes.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so it, let let's start. There's a lot of things I want to ask you, so but let let's start with the book. So the book is called "How to Be a Christian Witch," and it includes. Um, initiation instructions. So, so this book is available. I I saw it on Amazon, but I'm sure there's other places as well, right?
1: Yes, it's available on Amazon, and uh, it it can be purchased also in bookstores. And uh, soon it will also be at BarnesandNoble.com and other places like that. The paperback version, the Kindle version, is on Amazon as well.
0: Okay, so. You've been busy because there's a there is a lot of stuff packed in this book. Yes. This was a this a was a chore. <laughs> well, not a chore, but but it, this was a quite an undertaking. It had to be, right?
1: You know, I'm about to say something very bizarre. This book was written, published, edited, cover designed.
0: And released in three weeks. Wow. That is amazing. Um,
1: Pretty bizarre. Never written a book like that before.
0: Yeah, you know, it's interesting because, well, let's talk about a couple of things. What was the inspiration? I mean, I I know what the book is about, but let's talk a little bit about why you chose to, to finally release. It's almost like an instruction manual of sorts. I mean, what inspired you to, I guess, to bring this book forth?
1: That's an excellent question. There were a couple of factors. So the first one, is that my own experience of being a Christian witch was I was kind of making it up as I went along because they're unlike Wicca or Kudu or any other system of magic or spiritual practice or even a religion right if you join they tell you do this do this these are the steps these are the holy days these are the prayers it's all laid out for you and in Christian witchcraft we just didn't have that we knew that there we felt magical or that we're witches or magical beings that love Christ and we love the occult and perhaps we love that Christ could have been a sorcerer or was magical and we wanted to go down that rabbit hole but there was not really some kind of uh, protocol for doing that you just were kind of on your own making it up as you go along so that was one thing so that's kind of where my manifesto came about the Christian witches manifesto That was something I wrote for myself out of my own need to document what I was doing and sort of set up some kind of framework for myself and my practice. And then the next thing is that I would say, so that was sort of a years-long unfolding. The thing that really got this book kicked off was that I'm a coach and I had several clients, and interestingly enough, I coached them on writing their books. And one of my clients that I was working with who's writing his book, who's bringing it to a completion about to release his book, he said to me, We were in a conversation, and I just casually mentioned that I'm working on about four or five books at the present moment, which is always me, right? I write every day. And so he said, see? yes? And he gave him this word from above, and this was it. Would you be able to focus on the book that you think is most, that you know is the book the world needs, needs right now, and bring that one to us? Like, Pick one and just bring it to us. You know, and that was sort of the voice of spirit saying, pick this thing and go with it right now. And it was like a freight train. Next thing I knew, that book was out the door.
0: Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, so the book basically is exactly what it says it is. It's it's how to become a Christian witch. I mean, that's pretty much what the book's about, right?
1: yeah. Yeah, from my perspective,
0: anyway. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's a couple interesting things about it. Um, you, there's a there's a, there's a, a good amount of space spent on initiation, um, which I found fascinating and um, really very interesting. So, I'm I'm new to witchcraft. Tell me about initiation. What what is the power behind that? Why is that so important?
1: For me, initiation is necessary. It is a necessary uh, step on the path to signal to one's own subconscious mind, this is what I am devoting myself to. This is what I am. This is who I am. This is my fabric. And I'm acknowledging it. And now I am going to live and walk this way. I, I take initiation as a sacred vow itself. self. To one's most own holy self mm. and every initiation i have ever had has been that powerful and when i'm in moments in life right when life gets wobbly wobbly crazy uh breakdown that initiation stands as a reminder like up on the wall remember this is what you stand for mm. so it will it will help write you on the path. I mean, a lot of things happen in life, right? It'll write us on the path. It'll keep us on the path. It'll spur us on. It'll inspire us. It'll lift us. So I believe there's a lot of initiation does.
0: Yeah, I I, I, um, I really enjoyed, actually, the, whole, the entire book, but I enjoyed that aspect quite a lot. And um, I think it's incredibly helpful. You know, within the book, there's so much to cover um, because witchcraft and magic um plus blending that with a you know with a a faith or a spiritual path um there's kind of a lot of things to bring together now you've been doing this for a long time what are some of the struggles that you found you know that, that that's kind of common with everybody that's beginning to walk this path
1: no clear instructions no clear path yeah so you know like if you come from let's say you were in romania i saw this piece about witches in romania well you would come in that bloodline and they would tell you what to do and they probably were telling you what to do since you were a child right if you're a shaman in peru like we go to peru all the time for uh plant ayahuasca and i've been introduced, i've been initiated into plant medicine in peru with shamans if you're a shaman they're going to tell you what to do do this do this drink this plant this is this plant this is that but there's a path but I, my experience of Christian witchcraft was that there was no path. It was do whatever is before you. Now, I like that because it leaves tremendous creativity and flexibility and witches like that because we're creative people. And I found all magical beings to be very creative. And we love not having rules anyway. And we love not being told what to do because we want to do it ourselves. That's the whole point of being a, magic, a magician is because we're self-actualizing. Mm. But the part that was challenging for that is no system, no paradigms, no protocols, no rituals, just leave one sort of drifting in an ocean of all these possibilities, different things that we could do. So what I wanted to add to the global conversation of Christian witches, and I by no means believe that this book is any kind of be-all-in-all or Bible, I wanted to add to the conversation what I do, how I got to this place, to perhaps spur on other people coming up with their own rituals because ritual roots you in your practice. So without rituals and without protocols and just kind of making it up as one goes along, there's a value in that. And I also have experienced that there's a deeper value in getting those rituals going, whatever they're going to be, whether you make them up or you read this and read that and bring something from the Bible together with something from your witchy path. You've got to root yourself into something. Otherwise, we're just um, sort of um, drifters. And I couldn't do that. And there was a word I kept hearing inside my spirit that said codify, to codify my path, And everything has a code from the United States of America with the Constitution, Declaration of Independence, right? All of the documents that found there's there's a code for Catholic, there's a code for Wicca, there's a code even for Alexandrian Wicca, Wicca, and there's a code for uh, Gardnerian Wicca, right? And and these are incredibly helpful. Yeah. And within them, I also believe that there's space for you to have your creativity and your freedom.
0: Yeah, it is. You know the. Um magic and uh, witchcraft and those things are they are difficult because you know it's not that dissimilar from all the denominations that we have in christianity within the magic um, world there are probably not thousands but but there are at least hundreds upon hundreds of different systems and not all of those will resonate with Christianity. <laughs> so, um,
1: yeah.
0: Yeah, there definitely was a need for uh, some type of direction. But with magic, not everything is, um, it's not like a theology where all the points are put in place. Is that right?
1: That's right. It's so. You know that's why I call it the magical arts and sciences and I didn't I didn't invent that of course it's been called that for eons because there is magic this part art and part science so the art is with the artistry is what you bring to it and the science are the laws of nature the laws of the universe that make our magic work
0: mhm yeah so here's here's the interesting may I ask how I know, I know you know we had a prior conversation and you were always, you know, for lack of a better word, witchy, you know, that was always a leaning. Maybe you didn't have the definition at the time, but it was always a leaning or, or something that was, you know, a part of your life. So when you decided to go down that path, did you follow a particular magical system or did you create your own? How, how did that work for you?
1: Oh, my goodness. That, that's probably one of the big a uh, fuelers if that's the word, for this book, because I was looking for something. I was looking for a system that was going to work for me, and I didn't find it. Yeah. So I, I studied Wicca. I studied Wicca a lot. It was probably one of the first things that when you're a witch and you're, you're like, okay, especially coming from a Christian perspective, okay, I'm going to do this witchy thing. Scared out my wits of all the conditioning that had to be shed, right? That oh my God, God is gonna cast you out, you're with the devil now. This is this is the worst thing that you could possibly do. Yet Wilde's so inextricably drawn to it and can't shake that. Mm-hmm. Like that can't be ignored, right? Right. So we get to follow that, and we know that this is just a powerful calling, being called to magic and the occult and wanting to go in that crystal shop but thinking, oh, my God, the <laughs> blood of Jesus, you know? Oh,
0: <laughs> do I ever.
1: I think, oh, my God, you know, I've thrown away books. Like, I bought a book on You Are a Psychic. I threw it away, then I bought it again because I was back and forth in my head, and it was really, it was very challenging. So because I did that, it was probably one of the greatest, divides within the consciousness that I had to integrate. Was the Christian on one side, the witch on the other? Neither one was going anywhere, and neither one was giving in. It. it was like, neither one of us was leaving the building. Okay, the Christian's not leaving the building, and the witch is not leaving the building. And Spirit just showed me, um, neither one of them has to leave the building. You're the one that's making a divide between them, based on the path that you've learned. And it's an imaginary divide. It does not exist. There's an inherent oneness. Christianity sprang from paganism. So you're making up something based on what people told you rather than going with the truth of what you know in your own soul. Mm -hmm. And so I studied a lot of magical traditions, and I would get, it would be like 80% like, that's real good. Like, I learned so much from Wicca so much from my years of studying with. I didn't practice it. I went to, um, I may have done a couple of spells here and here. It was where I first learned how to do initiation. I just initiated myself as a solitary witch. That was my first initiation. And I went to a couple of rituals. I, would go, I went to a Samhain, a fire festival, and I loved it. I had my cloak and everything. It just wasn't like, you know, that light, Finger in the socket, like, like this is lighting up my whole soul. Like for me, angel magic does, or Bible stories, or Egypt, and you know, that whole connection. It, it just didn't, you know, light me all up. And the same with Yoruba. I was around a lot of Yoruba uh, priests, priestesses, um, a lot. I never, you know, just. Drawn, like just sucked into that direction to go get initiated in all the years. As a matter of fact, a couple of times I was planning on getting a Yoruba reading to at least find out who rules my head. And every time something happened, it was almost as if Spirit said, that's not the direction for you. So I was kind of floating for a while. I did not say lost because I never felt like I was lost. I always felt like I was on a path going somewhere. I have no idea where we're going, and that is the spiritual path.
0: Mm. Yes. Yes, it
1: is.
0: (laughs) Yeah, you know, one of the things... So, we have the book, and and, um, there's the first four sections, and um, decide, declare, document, and do. And so, those are the first four sections, and uh, which I think are really... I, I love that part of the book because you're calling people to... I guess be honest with themselves, and and that's a hard thing to do. And I'm not trying to be disrespectful, but when you're a Christian, um, especially if you're one for a long time, one of the things that you learn to do is to turn the inner voice off. You know, t- turn the honesty off, and you know what I'm talking about. You know, and and so you deny parts of yourself. You deny certain emotions, certain feelings. Um, but like you just said, you know, the witch or whatever it is that, that never goes away and it continues to, to poke and it continues to call out. Uh, and so I like those first four sections. And and do you want to talk about a little bit about why each one of those is, is
1: critical (laughs) <laughs> that's what I had to do right now, <laughs> well, right? That's a tall order, isn't it? It is. Because, oh my goodness. You know, the decision, nothing happens until we decide. Yep. And like I speak up in the book, decide means to actually kill off something. You actually have to kill something. You have to kill all the other stuff that's not it. Right. So, you know, I had to kill off. Okay, you're not going to strictly be a Christian. You know that's not going to satisfy you. Just make a decision. And, and at every point, like, you know, I talk about the decisions I had to make, and then there are more decisions to make. But there are a lot of decisions to make, because there's a lot of killing that has to go on. Mm-hmm. We've got to kill off the things that are not it, and commit to the things that aren't it. You know? Um, for me, the document part was really critical, because I did not have it in writing. And how serious do you take something if it's not in writing? You know, and and part of that is informed by my years as a financial planner. I have a real concrete part of my brain. Like, I'm deeply into, well, I'm an air sign, so maybe that could be a reason for it, too. I'm deeply into logic and concretism. I'm not airy-fairy. I don't like things to not make sense. And I don't like to not have science involved. And I'm not willing to dismiss history and archaeology and science like Christianity asked me to do, to believe some things that were not true and that we now know are not true. Mm-hmm. And so the document part, from my days on financial planning, this is what, is what informed this part of it. We've a saying in American Express, if it ain't in writing, it don't exist. So maybe you had a conversation with your client, but if you did not document that in a letter, and send a summary letter to the client and keep a copy of the summary letter in the file. We don't know what really happened in that conversation. Mm -hmm. And no one gets a life insurance policy without paperwork. No one gets a car without paperwork. No one gets a house without paperwork, but we're expected to get our soul without paperwork. Like there's an aspect to this that needs to be in paper. It needs to be in writing.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: It's not just for my own subconscious mind. Because when you sign yourself some, to something, especially
0: when you do a blood oath to something, oh, you pay attention to that for the rest of your life. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, and, and then you know? the the portion yeah. about doing, I, I there's a, there's something interesting there because, um, I know that you have to study, and I'm not, you know, I'm not saying that you don't, um, but you do have to start right. Yeah, you got to do
1: something, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we have to actually practice magic. That's huge, I mean,
0: if, though. If gonna, that's what we want
1: to
0: do. It's that is a big mm-hmm. deal because um, I, I don't know. First, it's scary, and second, it's like, well, what if I do it wrong? Um, so t- let's talk a little bit about just the process of beginning to, you know, really do magic.
1: Yeah, that's the scary part, because that's where the rubber meets the road. Yep. And we actually, right, have yes. to step out there and take some risks and do some scary things. And that is antithetical to our lower nature, uh, right? Because in the ego structures of the mind, we want to stay safe. And we wanted to... Um, we want some kind of assurance of how this thing is going to work out before I do it. But that's not how magic works. You you literally will blow up parts of your life. Mm-hmm. And the beauty of magic is like technology. You can't break it. And whatever you created with magic, you can uncreate with magic. So I can go for it.
0: <laughs> well.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah, so... The book is really great because you, you give people a lot of space and assistance on where to begin. Um, and, but that's another critical aspect, too, uh, where you talk about documenting. So each one of your magical works, you document that, correct? Yes.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes. And I will say that part of this could be my nature because I'm, I am a writer and I'm, I'm in love with words and i journal uh, ridiculously so i'm already the kind of person that has a bunch of journals and just writes down everything mm-hmm. so maybe that part came easier to me but then when i read there's a book called uh i believe it's called uh, it's something to do with um I think it's called Circles of Light and Shadow or, or Circles of Stone And it. There's two books written by an incredible magician, Frater Austin Chassan, who is this incredible magician. And I don't have the exact titles of the book, but we can look at them. We can pull them up. And one of these books that I have, it is this ginormous tome. When I say it's about 500 or so pages, it is a huge book. And what is it? It is his detailed documentation. Of all of his magical workings. Wow. And what an incredible resource. It's like an encyclopedia. What I, I just marvel at anyone. Over decades. He has judiciously documented. What he has done. And the results. And how much do you grow from that? Because we always see magic circle back around in our lives. Do we document it? Mm-hmm. And and after a while, this is going to deepen you in magic so rock solid. It wouldn't matter what anyone else says because you would know conclusively that magic works because you have your scientific research. But your life is your laboratory.
0: Hmm. Yeah. You know, it's it is um, it is interesting. So you know, you have you have prayer, which is w- one thing, and you have magic, which you know. I know some, and I and. I'm very new to this, but I know some people have said, well, spells are like prayer, but really magic and spirit, they're not necessarily the same thing. Would you agree with that or disagree?
1: Very true. I agree.
0: Yeah. So what is magic?
1: an excellent
0: question. <laughs> it's a tough one. <laughs> Has I, but... anyone ever been able to answer that
1: question? <laughs> no,
0: and everybody asks it all the time, but I, I'm, I'm asking anyway. We're always asking
1: it. <laughs> yes, and we have the best of the best magicians that have given us answers. Like, you know... Uh, uh Alistair Crawley talks about creating change in conformity with the will. And, and basically, I at the core, I just feel like magic is creation and transformation. Okay, something shows up, you don't want it, you want something different, you go ahead and you create it. So there's that creation and that transformation, something that you have that you don't like. Maybe there's something missing that you do want, you create it. Maybe you have something that you don't want, you transform it. So, at the core, in essence, for me, magic is some kind of creation or some kind of transformation.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. So, the energy of it, though. You know, I've thought about this a lot because, um, you know, uh, fear, for for one thing. But um, another thing, just out of, you know, curiosity. But, to me, magic is almost a, a metaphysical energy that we're surrounded entirely by. Uh, and we, we are learning the process of using that energy to create with. So it's no different. You know, I think some people are so afraid of it. But you use your energy in a physical way to earn a paycheck. Well, magic would be a similar action. You're just doing, you know, more of an unseen Um, energy I guess or task that also is just creating something so maybe that sounds a little convoluted but I I think demystifying it a little bit like it's not the devil it's actually almost a Uh. natural universal energy and magic is the system of using that unseen energy to achieve is that anywhere near the ballpark
1: Oh, yes, yes and as i listen to you it reminds me of jason louv because jason louv he has uh magic.me which is a great website for chaos magic and and he also wrote a, an incredible book about john Dee and the magic of angels and Enochian magic and one and, and is quite an accomplished magician one thing that jason louv says says is that magic is an ambient energy in the universe and yeah we're harnessing it we're tapping into it we're using it at least we're aware and we've acknowledged that it even exists it's like electricity it's like radioactive waves it's like magnetic pole there's a magical ambient energy in this universe that anyone can learn to tap into
0: mm-hmm. it's funny that you bring him up because i'm um overdosing on jason Louvre right now <laughs>
1: Is that where we're a little bit about chaos magic? Is that what uh, prompted that? uh yeah. Inquiry.
0: Yeah, I I love Jason Leuve. Um
1: I love him. Yeah.
0: yeah, he's so good. Yeah, so he's I'm I'm really overdosing. I, I just can't get enough of of him. And
1: uh, I went through my Jason Louvre stage. I was just like on every YouTube video. Every he's just so brilliant. I just love brilliant minds in magic
0: yeah yeah and um he just has a lot of things that really really resonate with me um which is you know the i know he's big into the chaos magic and uh, i think even as you demystify that you know and that's one of the interesting things is as you demystify some of these systems not all of them but some of them you realize you know well this maybe isn't as scary as i thought it was um, and it really actually kind of resonates deeply with me. And I'm sure that that was a part of your path along the way. It, it must have been.
1: It absolutely was. It absolutely was. Because at first, in the very, very, very beginning stages of when I said, okay, I'm going to do this, I was overwhelmed. Yeah. Because I would go, right, look at the magic books. And this was kind of pre-internet date the internet there was not a lot on the internet about this we're talking like maybe 20 20 to 30 years ago mm-hmm. so when I first had the first big awakening I was 28 29 going into 30 and I had my second daughter my second child who was a girl and I went into a dark night of the soul and it was because I was in the constriction the soul constriction of fundamentalist Christianity known as the cult of Jehovah's Witnesses so coming out of that my first opening and I totally cast that off and the only thing I kept was God is love that was the only thing I knew I I threw out everything else so because I was kind of starting from scratch yet in an idea yet not aware that Mm -hmm. at the time all the other conditioning was still in the subconscious mind that would have to be dealt with it was still in the shadow
0: Mm -hmm. right yeah
1: yeah doing that deep work so I was just following the cookie crumb trail through the woods because it was just, back then it was books. I would literally go to Barnes and Noble, sit down for hours and just read through spiritual books, metaphysical books, any kind of book I could find. And I noticed something about myself and it scared me. I was drifting deeper and deeper into quote unquote, the dark side. Like I would go to the Barnes and Noble go to the metaphysical section, that was already taboo enough because I started off in the Christian inspiration section, right? Mm -hmm. So, Osteen, right? The ones who are more new thought in their approach, just definitely not the fundamentalist Christian ones. But I always loved Joyce Meyer. I always enjoyed her. And Joel Osteen, you know, him and his father really came from more of a new thought approach. They never preached the hell, damnation, fire kind of message. So Joel Osteen was really my go-to for a while and then I was drifting more until I went to the metaphysical section and then I started talking and looking at spirit guides. Even that was a leap. You know, to even go to Doreen Virtue and talking to angels Mm -hmm. and then spirit guides. And then I was going deeper into the rabbit hole with psychic and the psychic thing really stirred me up. I was afraid because, you know, that's just really taboo. And I started to wonder, what is wrong with you? Because are you going to the devil? I, I, I didn't realize how this whole thing worked. It doesn't work like that. But that's what I saw. My, I thought that's what I was doing when I was doing it. And it scared me. Yet I couldn't stop. And so then I was looking at books about, you know, like I noticed that there was something in me that did not have a limit. And that scared me because I had grown up with so many limitations. hmm so I followed that part of me that wasn't limited and that would read all these books. And I just kept going and then it took me to magic and then it took me to witchcraft. <gasps> witchcraft, no. You know, that's kind of how I went into witchcraft. <gasps> Even being a born witch and having all these experiences when I was little and growing up my whole life to actually look it in the face and say, yes, I'm a witch and this is witchcraft. Now, that's a big jump right there, Mm because I know a lot of people that still won't do that, Mm -hmm. right? And that's everyone's choice. So I just saw myself going deeper and deeper and deeper into this thing that it seemed like the bigger me was carrying me into. And a part of me was kicking and screaming, but you know that part of you that's in a scary movie that really wants to see the scary scene and and the tension is mounting and you want to cover your eyes, but you want to see at the same time?
0: That was me. Yeah. You know, one of the things I love about the book is um, it's a safe space. You know, uh, yeah. I, I do really sympathize with so many people that have these deep inner knowings and leadings, and they can't express them. They can't explore them uh, because... First of all, they're, they're afraid to. Uh, they've been told so many lies about all of that. And then, you know, even just outside of Christianity, I mean, Hollywood's version of what a witch is and, and all those kinds of things come into play. And so what I like about the book is it creates a safe space for a Christian to say, um, you know, I think this is me. I'm going to dive in and um, explore this. And so I love that you were careful with, and not, not in a reserved way, but you were careful with words that you used and um, the way that you presented it. So you must have been really in a space of, this is a, you know, I don't know, it, it feels like you were trying to create a space where people could begin to have a conversation with their true self. Does that make sense?
1: Wow! Yes, yes. I love how you express that, and I'm thankful that came across because it's such a difficult thing for us. I mean, it tortured me for a very long time. Hmm.
0: Well, you know what you, you, you're doing, uh, and I really think this is true. You know, we're we're asked to uh, suppress so many questions. And we're asked to suppress so much, um, I guess, you know, hurt at times, um, our true self. And I I don't remember who said it now, but I think it was Rumi possibly, but basically said, um, you're never going to be free until you set your true self free. And, um... Mm -hmm you know until we do that until we deal with the questions and you know i found that that some of the answers didn't resonate but some of them did but at least i gave myself permission to ask and so the books kind of created a space where people can ask the questions without you know talking to the devil <laughs> do you know what i mean <laughs>
1: And if people knew how uninterested the devil is in talking to all these human beings, I don't think there would be so concerned.
0: Agreed. Totally agreed. But it still feels that way. You know, there's a lot there. there in everything, right? There there are, are uh, uh, human monsters in Christianity that have done terrible and horrible things. And there are human monsters in the occult and the magic system that have done terrible, horrible things. And so if you pull those examples out and say, look, this is what magic is, um, you're really doing it a disservice. And I think that that's what's happened to a lot of people. Um, I mean, I don't want to make anybody upset here, but Crowley's a good example. He said a lot of, (laughs) right? I mean, he said a lot of amazing things, but he also did a lot of terrible things um, so I, I don't want to take away from his brilliance and I don't also don't want to give him a pass. So I think that it's, a, I think what's unique now is there are a lot of people and you mentioned Wicca, which is a, I don't agree with the, the pantheon, ons, uh, I guess that they have, but it's actually a really beautiful religion.
1: Oh, it's very beautiful. That's why I loved it and I studied it so long because and so deeply because it, it felt good. Yeah. And it had a light to it that I never knew could exist in witchcraft because from the conditioning of the Christian, that all of that was just a big black hole that belonged to the devil.
0: Yeah.
1: And Wicca showed me that's not true.
0: hmm
1: I said, this is simply earth-based religion. That's really all this seems to be to me. It seems to be completely harmonized with the earth, which I never learned that in Christianity. I learned that from my mothers and grandmothers, who were all witches and not self-proclaimed witches, witchy in their actions and in their way of being, who healed us with plants, who put pities on babies' navels to make the navel go in, who... You know, they had so many witchy little things that they used to do, and they used to call it old wives' tales, or whatever you want to call it. It was all witchcraft, and Wicca was really the first encounter that I had to be able to deep dive. I guess Wicca created that safe space for me to deep dive, because I kept going deeper and deeper, and I didn't find the devil. Like, the witness, you know, the witnesses told me it was going to be the devil. I didn't find the devil. I found nature. That's what I discovered in Wicca, the same thing that my grandmothers had been doing, you know, plants. It was all about plants, um, sun, the moon, uh, you know, witches can sniff weather. It's going to rain tomorrow. How do you know that, Grandma? Mm So-and-so. Oh, I had a dream. Oh, I saw this. You know, they were all witches. And I got to see that this is really about nature. This is really about being in tune with the greater cosmos and being in alignment and speaking something into existence from a place of alignment. Yeah. With, you know, not just plants, uh, crystals, herbs, uh, people, plant spirits, uh, animal spirits the moon, the sun,
0: astrology, all of it. Yeah, I, I like that the the, the alignment word. Um, the reason I like it is because scientifically speaking we know that everything is, is energy, everything, including ourselves. And there's no reason that we can't or, or weren't equipped with a way to harmonize, uh, communicate, sense, even cooperate with the energy that surrounds us, whether it's a tree or an animal or the, you know, I'm terrible at astrology. My wife is, I mean, she would say she wasn't, but she's, she's borderline expert with astrology. Um, and the more that she learns and talks to me about it, I mean, you can't help, but just go, wow, that, that is cool. That resonates. And I think to just shut those things off because somebody somewhere decided, and Jason Louve says it was King James, by the way, another, uh, Jason oh, yeah. Louve re- reference, but, uh, He said King James is the one that that really demonized magic. I'm curious, have you heard that before at all? I think so, absolutely. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit more about the book. Um, Tell me how you think this is best utilized. If someone says, you know what, I'm interested, and they, they grab the book, what do you think the process is of going through that? It's, it's a great book. There's so much information in it. You're never going to really be done with it, right? In my opinion. You're, you're always going to have it next to you saying, okay, let me go look at this topic. And let me go look at this subject. And I love that. But, but give me your thoughts on how someone could really use that book.
1: I would hope and pray that it will move a person to choose or decide to be initiated. So, and to start a coven, and if they do start a coven, to do the spiritual work in the world that covens do, because the ultimate for me is all the witches of the world, all the magical beings, witches, wizards, warlocks, magical beings of the entire planet to stand up, shine and offer their greatest self to humanity. For healing for inspiration for whatever you're called to be so if you're called to create that witchy shop or that do readings or do baby blessings or do house blessings you know I'm writing a couple more books now on this is going to be a whole series on Christian witchcraft and the one I'm writing right now is spellcrafting crafting for Christian witches and we've got also a book coming up on services that you could offer as a Christian witch and how to do it well all that starts with initiation because The uninitiated uh, in most traditions are not really the ones who perform these kinds of spiritual services for other people. So, for instance, you have high priests and high priestesses in certain traditions, right? In many traditions. Mm -hmm. Until you become a priest or priestess, you're not going to do certain things. There are certain things you can do. And that this is not in terms of better or worse. This is not in terms of people are not worthy of doing it or that people don't have the capacity or the capability to do it or that they don't have the ability to do it. It doesn't have anything to do with any of that. Or that they're not the right age. It has nothing to do with that. If I go to Yoruba right now, I'm not going to be a Yoruba priestess because I want to be a Yoruba priestess. I'm going to be a Yoruba priestess because I was led to the house that I'm supposed to be in They cast the divination over my head to find out what my head spirit said. There's a process, right? I'm not just going to go and declare myself a Yoruba priestess. It's not going to happen. And then if I do decide if if that is the calling and if that is the decision within my soul to be initiated as a Yoruba priestess, I got a whole year ahead of me to do that and quite a significant investment, right? Probably a five-figure investment. And why would I do all that, Right. I would do that because I'm doing it for my soul. So, and, and what else am I here for other than to unfold my soul? That's my thought, right? Now, other people have different thoughts. This is my thought. So, if I choose to be initiated as a Yoruba priestess, I understand that that will mean a year of wearing white. That will mean a year of not interacting with other people as I normally would. That will be me combing through my entire life to make it worthy of a life of service to humanity. Right? I'm not just becoming a year of a priestess so I could put it on a resume. I-, I would imagine that I'm becoming a year of a priestess for a purpose. And that purpose is higher than me and higher than my life. And that I'm going to become an instrument of the divine that is doing some benevolent work for humanity. Now, not everybody sees it the way I do. This is just my uh, take on it. So, initiation is 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 a is a whole other realm because you can read books on Yoruba. I've been to Bembe, right, to a Bembe where Yoruba priestess was was uh, uh, had come to her initiation, and and I saw a whole lot of things in an ancestral place. And I use Yoruba a lot for an example because. Um. I'm around a lot of people who are Yoruba, and some people who are Santeria, and and some people who are Khan, Like I hang out with an Akan priestess. Well, this priestess, when, being an Akan priestess, it was a one year initiation. She, they can't use utensils to eat food for a whole year. All your food must be eaten with your hands for an entire year for the initiatory period. So, and that's for a purpose. So no one is going to receive the deeper mysteries of that particular path without being initiated into that path mm-hmm. and i just didn't see that for christian witchcraft
0: i agree yeah absolutely so um one of the things too and i want to touch on this before, you know before you before we leave because um you talk about what this book can't do for you and i think that maybe it's like chapter 4 <laughs> or something like that which I actually found, um, hmm, I, I, interesting for sure, and and perhaps liberating. So tell me a little bit about that.
1: <laughs> That's probably the most offensive part of the book, right? That's probably the part where I'm going to step on some toes.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's it's a it's a it's an enlightening and frustrating chapter at the same time. <laughs>
1: because i i wanted to make sure right at top that i tell people if this is what you're looking for this book nor any book can give that to you if you're looking for something that's going to make you that's going to give you all the answers on a platter and you don't do the work I, I can't do that if you're looking for this is the right way to do that that's That's not this. I hope people read that and then decide, oh, well, this is not the book I'm looking for. Great. Put it down. Don't buy it. Because this book is not going to do that for you. It's not going to uh, take the place of you doing the work on your emotional body. It's not going to make you spiritually mature. It's not going to make you know any better or any more than the next person. It's not going to do any of that for you. It's an inspiration. It's an idea. It's how I practice. It's worked for me. I don't know if it's going to work for you. It's not a Bible it's an idea. It's a collection of ideas. Now take what works for you, and and, and leave the rest.
0: Yeah. Now that's interesting because, and one of the, again, one of I think one of the frustrating things if you don't know or you don't have anybody to tell you, um, I mean, magic is not necessarily supposed to work that way, right? It's supposed to be an experience. Uh, an introspective experience also an intuitive one and, and I think a lot of people want I don't know they, they just want like tell me everything I have to do and you know I don't want to have to work myself for it just tell me what I have to do so I can do it but that's not what magic is, is, is am I right about that? That's
1: right it's experiential it's experiential like everything on the spiritual path you know one example of this is that spirit takes me to some very bizarre places all over the planet like i could not have planned it out and i could never plan out the timing or the ways that i thought i'll just look up and see myself in a temple in bali like how do you plan that on the full moon there's no way you can plan all these things right I found myself in the middle of a Hindu temple in India chanting with Hindu people women on one side men on the other side singing back and forth and different from a a mosque where in Islam the mosque there's a wall between the men and the women, right? Well, in the Hindu temple, men and women are facing each other so they can see each other. And it's so beautiful. The men sing one part of the chant, the women respond with the other part of the chant. How am I sitting on this floor? You know, sometimes I look around at myself or I'll be sitting in a sweat lodge with Perus, you know, with a shaman in Peru and look next to me. And like, oh, uh, how did I get here? <laughs> how did I get here? I ask myself that a lot. So... One of the things that I can say about this whole thing is that if you don't go with your intuition, no matter how bizarre, I mean, my intuition is just told me the most bizarre things. And when I got there, it blew my mind, my conscious human mind, with the next evolutionary leap for me as a soul. And I would have never been able to figure it out. I would never have been able to see it coming because I didn't even know it was there. Mm. I'll give you an example. Last time I went to Peru, I was on the Inca Trail and we were in a plant medicine initiation. This, this was powerful initiation. So this was an initiation with San Pedro because I've been initiated in uh, Ayahuasca. So this was a San Pedro or Wakuma initiation and is it, it it quite a, quite an ordeal as all initiations are quite an ordeal. And in part of the ordeal, we were on the Inca Trail and we have been walking for miles through the andes mountains like in high altitude no oxygen like i'm talking about an ordeal on every level physical spiritual mental emotional so we get to this particular place and there was a clearing and it was a temple a stone temple craig in the middle of like nowhere hmm. immediately when i saw it i go straight to this part of the rock drop to my knees and start praying. I have been praying at this temple for I don't know how long. I knew it yeah. and I knew what I was to do and something in me bigger than my human self I think I should go over there it just and there I was praying like I probably had spent so many hours in that outdoor Inca temple made of stone praying in so many past lives as some priestess or something that I just—it was instinctive. It wasn't anything I had to think about. Now, how? And, and the shaman told us who was with us. Kush. who said, "None of the none of the tourists come here because they can't find it." I'm like, "Well, no kidding! Like we're in the middle of nowhere. If you if you left me here, I'd be toast because I wouldn't even know how to get back to where we came from. Right? right. The way we zigzag through these Andes these mountains. So." I say that to say, and right then I got another one of my destiny markers. So I say that to say, you can't plan out the spiritual path. You don't know what great spiritual awakening you're going to have and where it's going to be on the planet or what's going to happen. I didn't know I was going to find my first wand in Sedona. Something was just driving me to Sedona. We don't know. So we have to follow that. Thing that is the great self
0: that does know. That's really good. That is, that is, that is, I think that's exactly, it's just brilliant. I, I you know, it's so hard to do that because we have been taught to not trust anything about ourselves, right? We're, we're inherently evil and all that. And so it, it is hard to get to that place where you are guided by something bigger than you, because we're always afraid it's the devil. And um, you know, it, it, it's a little, it's a little, um, it's a little unfortunate because people are missing out on the experience of being this human that they are right now. So let's talk about. And
1: you know what? I, there was one other thing that came to my mind as you were speaking. why Christians have a hard time with this. The reason I believe we have a hard time with this is because we still are coming at it from a place of being flawed and inherently sinful, and that can't stand. That has to go. We must come from a place of divinity. And when we're coming from a place of divinity, we will trust. But if we don't, if we think, well, my nature is inherently flawed and I'm sinful because I had a sin because Adam and Eve and blah, 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 then I won't trust myself. And indeed, I'm not to trust myself. I'm to be told what to do by spiritual uh, police, like a priest or a pastor, and I need to do exactly what they say. And if I get an inclination within myself to do something else, I have to deny it because that's bad. That's my sinful nature talking. Yeah. We had it reversed.
0: A lot of people, you know, they shut themselves off. Um, just because of what you said, and the last time we were together, you said something that I thought was really interesting, and it was that one of the things that you were told um, when you begin this path was to trust. Do, do you remember I oh, I'm sure you do, but yeah. yeah, and that's that's big because you know it's funny if we're, we're supposedly we're dealing with this. God, who is all these attributes, and I'm not going to go through them all, but, you know, he's just everything. Um, but yet, he can't speak to us or move us if we start to go someplace we don't need to be, and that just doesn't sound very God-like to me. Oh.
1: Uh, yeah. Very interesting, isn't it? <laughs> it makes me think of uh, another incredible... Um, author and magician whom I love La Milo Duquette and he talks about how he goes around the world teaching different people magic and how it's so easy to teach people in China magic because they don't have the whole God-Devil duality thing that we have to first overcome in the West because of the religious conditioning they just don't have that and he said one of the things that kind of prevails of their thinking is if your God has an evil counterpart your God not God enough like what God can have an equal opposing not really equal because of course in the end God and the devil are going to square off and God's going to win um, but how is the devil even uh, such a big part of the conversation in the first place if you're God's God
0: it's really true though I it's so true it's crazy true and um, my wife has a, a, a similar experience where um, you know, God really told her uh, to move and to to explore a few things and to trust him along the way. And, and I think that everybody kind of has to come to that place where uh, if he is God, then let him do his job and, and you, know, you do yours or whatever. But it, it's a, I think it's a, it's a hard place for people to come to because of the reasons you just said. We're constantly being told that, well, we could fall off the path at any time, and of course, you know, where that what, where that leads to, and, and you're going to go to hell, right?
1: Yeah, even though, you know, I didn't grow up with hell, because uh, in the witness paradigm, they don't talk about hell. What they talk about is something even worse, which is complete obliteration, as if you never existed. But I don't know which one is worse. Uh-huh. Uh, hell, where you just burn forever, <laughs> or you just get completely obliterated, and you are blotted out from all knowing. Okay. I uh, completed obliteration. You know, I don't know what's worse than that.
0: In any event, it's bad, right? <laughs> <laughs>
1: exactly.
0: Yeah. And
1: it's not the truth. <laughs>
0: and it's not the truth. A- amen to that. It's not the truth. So yeah,
1: well. That's the most important
0: part for me. Mm-hmm. So Valerie, thank you so much uh, for for being on, and thank you so much for writing the book. It is a brilliant book. Um, I've I've thoroughly enjoyed it and obviously I'm gonna have to go back and read it again just because you've, you've really crammed a ton of information in it I mean wow you just kept writing. Wow,
1: I'm so thankful. <laughs> oh, I just kept more kept coming to me. Just, brr, <laughs> you know, it was all pouring out onto the page, and it's still pouring out because you know we've got more books in the series coming. Spellcrafted for Christian, which is Tarot for Christian, which is Words of Power for Christian, which is like this is a whole playground we get to play in, and I love it.
0: Yeah, that's exciting. I can't wait for some of those other books to come out. I mean, you're really creating. And this might, I may be misspeaking, but you're really kind of creating a system, almost, you know?
1: It feels that way. Yeah. And and I never wanted to become a religion. Simply guidelines. Simply uh, something that we can anchor into that's way back beyond me. I always knew Christian witches was way beyond me. And I always knew that I had a job to do on this planet and it just kept saying codify and I just felt like I don't know maybe other people people made up the other systems that we have too right they developed over time and and I pray that the conversation is such a global conversation where everyone continues to add and contribute to it and we do have a beautiful system of Christian witchcraft and when people say they want to practice it we've got a starting point that we can offer to them
0: yeah I think it's a great work and I I deeply appreciate that you uh, that you're undertaking it. Um, so again, everybody, you can get that on Amazon. It's a, it's an amazing book. It's available a lot of places. Um, thank you once again. Uh, you've always been so gracious with your time, and and thank you so much for that.
1: Oh, thank you, Chris. Because you know, uh, Craig. Because I just finished talking to Chris. I interviewed Chris earlier on my. <laughs> Uh, Or, my show today, and now I'm talking to Craig, so pardon me for flipping the names around. That's okay. But you know, Craig, this work is so my heart and soul that it doesn't feel like work. Yeah. I love it. So, call anytime, and I appreciate your work and what you're doing on the planet, and I appreciate that you created this space for us to be able to have these kind of conversations.
0: Yeah, thank you. I appreciate that. So, hang on the line for just a minute because I want to talk to you uh, uh, for just a couple minutes more and I'm going to close the podcast out so everybody thank you so much for joining me I'll catch you on the other side of the music All right, guys. Thank you so much, man, for hanging out with me on the podcast. I hope that you really enjoyed it. I hope that there were a lot of takeaways uh, for you, some demystifying of the subject matter. And um, maybe it even, you know, uh, sparked or or caused a little spark or a flame within you and you have more interest. And uh, I wholeheartedly encourage you to to explore that now a couple of quick things i think that would be helpful if you do have some interest in this first of all um again valerielove.com plus you can find her on all the social media stuff she has a couple of books out that are really good um of course the one that we just mentioned right which is how to be a christian witch Uh, She has another one called The Confessions of a Christian Witch. Both of those are available on Amazon, and they're must-reads, right? And then um, there is a couple of other books, too. I was trying to... Let me find my... Grab my iPhone here. Um, Hang with me here. So the first one is called The Christian Witch's Handbook by H. Fuller Hutchinson and the other one is called The Path of a Christian Witch and um, by Adelina St. Clair. And You know what? I don't even know if either of those are still in print. I do know you can find those on Amazon and they're both also really great books. Um, And then in addition to that, Um, there's all kinds of stuff online if you really take a good, hard look at it. And so there's a great Facebook uh, group called the Christian Witches Group or something like that. I'm sorry, I can't remember it at the moment. All right, you know, I'm going to grab my phone. Technology, you know. So um, bear with me, guys. Bear with me. The Christian Witch and the Craft is a Facebook group uh, that's really great. And there's a ton of studies on that as well that are really, really helpful. So if it's something that you're interested in, uh, there are resources available. There are books available. And I want to encourage you to, uh, you know, do a little bit of exploring and see if it's something that resonates with you. If you don't follow the Black Sheep Experience on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, um. You need to go do that, man, and and uh, let me know that you listen to the podcast. Share it with the people that are in your realm of influence, and um, I guess that's it. Once again, thanks, uh, Valerie, for being on the podcast. Deeply appreciate it. Done. <laughs>